Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, January 21st, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, coming up at the podcast feed uh, tomorrow or tonight, depending on if it's the regular feed or the Patreon feed, patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, I have an interview with uh, cabaret legend, someone I feel like you've probably seen perform many times, uh, Jeff Harner. Are you Ah, familiar? I am familiar with Jeff, yes. Yes, he has a new show. Not a new show. It's actually a 15-year-old show that he's done. Dusting yeah. off and bringing out of the trunk for the first time since, I believe, 2006, um, where he will be doing Jeff Harner Sings Cy Coleman at Birdland on Monday, January 31st at 7 p.m. He's actually down here in Florida doing it right now. Ooh. I spoke with him the other day um, and a uh, really great conversation about not only Cy Coleman's work, but his approach to cabaret. And, He's a and, lovely person. Yeah, just a great guy. Um, so we will have that in the podcast feeds. If you want to hear it before anybody else, head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. Ashley, this is not like our first news story, but I feel like we have yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> you sent this to me earlier on Thursday, and it is from the playwright yeah. Dave Harris, whose new show Tambo and Bones had its first performance on Wednesday night at Playwrights Horizons. And his tweet said... Um, I guess it was, uh, yeah, it came out, it came out on Thursday morning. So last night at the ending of Tambo and Bones, a white man stormed out of the Playwrights Horizons main stage, flipped a table in the lobby, went outside, took a big ass planter from the restaurant next door, threw it into oncoming traffic and ran off destroying property along the way. And then in a subsequent tweet, he said, I don't measure success by white reactions. I only measure it in cash, of course. But this is high up there. Everything's okay. White boy thought he was starting the Boston Tea Party of the American <laughs> Theater. It was just our first preview, y'all. Stay safe. I promise we're having fun. Literally now, the first preview. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar with what this show is, this is a show that has unfortunately had a couple of setbacks um, yeah. with, with performances. Um, but Tambo and Bones, the characters themselves are like, two archetypal characters that appear in a lot of minstrel shows yeah. um, back in the day. And in this, they plan their escape from said minstrel shows, um, you know, to get out, make like, some money. <laughs> it's a hip hop like show. Like literally getting mad at something yeah. that white people, you know, bastardize, like calm down Al Jolson. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Um, so this was already on my list. We talked about this uh, like yesterday or the last time we recorded yeah. together. Like this was on my list of shows that I was going to be sending out comps for. It went to the top. So I will be <laughs> yeah. asking for press tickets for that literally after we're done yeah, recording I'll be this there. episode. I'll be so. there. If there is a, a barricade around the theater due to like a ficus blocking traffic, <laughs> I don't want the show. Like I'm there. Do you, do you hear the white people singing? Okay. <laughs> um, all right, Ashley, let's get into the news proper. First up, more than eight years after it was originally announced, a musical adaptation of the classic play and Oscar-winning film Black Orpheus is planning to come to Broadway in 2023. When the show was originally announced, in 2013, the creative team included Lynn Nottage as the book writer, George C. Wolfe as director, and Grammy winner Sergio Mendez writing original music. The score will also feature many of the bossa nova tunes that were featured in the original film to round things out. Now, 
only Mendez remains as part of the project now as Pulitzer Prize winner Nilo Cruz will be uh, providing the book and Tony winner Sergio Trujillo will direct. Of course, Nilo Cruz wrote Anne in the Tropics, which was the subject of Jan Simpson's latest yeah. episode of All the Drama. Very timely. So go back a little bit and listen to that in the feeds if you want to hear more about him. Now, it's interesting, actually, because I think for many theater fans who are not necessarily brought up with the classic Greek myths, they probably became at least intimately familiar with Orpheus uh, and his tale through Hadestown. But in the 1946 play and 1959 film, the myth takes it out of Greece and sets it in Rio de Janeiro during Carnival. Now, the show plans to have a workshop and out-of-town tryout this year, 2022, before turning its attention to Broadway. And between this and Hadestown, Ashley, obviously they are very different yeah. uh, approaches. But... Um, with those two, Eurydice at the Metropolitan Opera at the end of 2021, uh, those two crazy Greek kids, Orpheus and Eurydice, they, they seem to be having a bit of a moment over these last couple yeah, years. Yeah, it's honestly very weird. Like, the, I mean, this, as you said, was announced in 2013. I truly forgot about it. And obviously, like, Lenottage and George C. Wolf are very busy at the so moment. So did they. They forgot yeah. about it, too. <laughs> they, they forgot about it as well, yeah. Um, but it's, it's weird when we develop, like, these hyperfixations in theater where it seems and opera in this case too where it seems like so many shows are happening simultaneously um this is interesting i've never seen the movie um i assume and maybe not but i was gonna say i assume that at this point by the time it hits the stage maybe hades town will no longer be running because that uh, does I hope not, but yeah. I, th it does seem a bit weird to have two very similar shows like this going on simultaneously. I mean, New York theater's never seen the same, you know, the same property be developed into two separate works oh, yeah, running in New York at the not. exact same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've had, we've had literally two shows based on the same exact poem running at the same time in New York. Yeah. There's obviously always different. Wizard of Oz uh, related things or Alice in Wonderland or Peter Pan things running. So I mean I just feel like we have obsessively. the Yeah, I mean we have the bandwidth to I think have multiple of these things especially because they take such incredibly different looks at the source material. I think I think when it's weird is when it's too on Broadway. Like if sure. if you have multiple things happening, like you've got a show off Broadway, you've got a show at the Met, you've got a show on Broadway. Like that's that makes more sense to me when you have two shows essential I mean about the same source material but obviously differently developed. Like that's that's a that's a bit weird to me. Do you if if the previously announced Broadway revival of The Wiz had actually ever happened, or still happened, they could still be working on it, I don't know. Um, would that be weird to you because Wicked is still on Broadway, even though those, like, they, uh, they're they very different? I mean, yeah. Wicked isn't about The Wizard of Oz. It's kind exactly. of like, a, you know, you're like, would how, that be weird? That's how I'm differentiating it, because I assume it's at least, I'm assuming Black Orpheus and Hades Town, obviously very different, yes. but still based off of the same myth. Uh, where this, where like the Wiz and Wicked are at least different, you know, source material technically. When was Lambo M on Broadway? Was was Ooh. it on Broadway when Rent was on Broadway too? I don't uh, know. Yeah, 2002. That. Yeah, 2002 See? it Odd. ran. Odd. Yeah, so. Again, these hyperfixations of like, this thing is doing really well forever. Let's have another show that's essentially the same story run, but, you know, de developed differently. 
and of course, both produced by um, Kevin McCollum and Jeffrey Seller. Yeah. Uh, so very interesting. Um, but either way, let's get let's get more excited. Yeah, let's get Maury Yeston's Phantom on Broadway right now, too. Sure, why not? Might as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, moving from New York to Washington, D.C., Ashley, on Wednesday, representatives from across the performing arts community lobbied Congress for aid and assistance before the COVID-19 pandemic ravages the entire performing arts industry. Speaking before the House Small Business Committee, where a performing arts center president, a venue owner, an actor's equity executive, and actor Carson Elrod, he talked about all of the starts and stops that he's had in his career over the past two years. Most recently, Red Bull's The Alchemist, uh, which was running off Broadway but had to close early yeah, due yeah. to COVID at New York uh, at New World stages. Fortunately, that show will be streaming from February first through the fourteenth. So check out the Red Bull mm-hmm. uh, Theater's website um, if you want to check that out. Um, but according to Deadline, at the hearing, it was well discussed by people on the panel and the um, and the guests that the performing arts industry quote made up four point one percent of pre-pandemic GDP, which blows my mind, actually, and employed 5.2 million people across the country, but has been decimated over the past two years, not to mention the impact on ancillary businesses like hotels, Restaurants, bars, yeah. parking garages, lifts, Ubers, travel, Sardis. all of those. <laughs> that falls under the restaurants category. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, especially Sardis and Joe Allen. Um, Nataki Garrett, who is the artistic director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and who will be an upcoming guest here on Broadway Radio. Stay tuned for details mm. on that. Told the committee, quote, the reality is that without the sacrifices of our artists and without the infusion of state and federal dollars, along with the generosity of our donors and audience members, we would not be in existence and I would not be testifying before you today. Garrett talked about the difficult choices that her organization had to make to stay afloat, including letting go of 90% of their employees and how the programs that were set up by the government that were intended to help small businesses like the festival, including PPP loans, Save Our State. Stages, shuttered venue operators grants, they were all so incredibly complicated and arbitrary with different rules from state to state and bank to bank that they often were so complicated that they had little to no impact because you couldn't wade through the red tape to get the benefits of them all the time. So Ashley, we know that things have been rough, especially in the past few months because of Delta oh, and, yeah. and Omicron. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, as we start looking to having the the busy time for not only New York theater, but around the country in the spring and into yeah. the summer, that now that Congress has decided to officially not do a damn thing about voting rights, perhaps they can finally turn their attention to this before they start getting themselves Ugh. worked up into a lather over the midterm elections. Yeah, there's that. I and mean, Grace and I kind of talked about this on yesterday's show, mm-hmm. uh, not specifically about this, but about the proposed tax credit in New York. And just like, I kind of have to take this as like, at least they're doing something after waiting so long and obviously this is just yeah. kind of a hearing right now but i mean i'm i was also blown away by that statistic about it being you know 4% of the gdp uh, cuz I think we think of it as just like this very like performing arts in general is just this very tiny thing. It's like everybody entertains us. Little niche. It's our, it's little, our little niche. Yeah. yeah, but it's like when we've talked about it many times. Like, look at how much people relied on the arts during, especially the first year of the pandemic. Like, it's sprawling. Even if it's just you know just, but even if it's film and television, you start adding that on as well. Like. This is 
obviously, yeah. and I mean, uh, those actors go, are, you know, cross stage and screen. So a lot of the people suffering that we're talking about in this are also on your television screens as well. Like it's a huge industry, both on the stage clearly and also in the larger arts. And I think that clearly the government seems to forget that. Well, and what's nice about this, though, is that in the efforts that we have seen leading up to this, they have been pretty bipartisan. Like, I think everybody realizes the economic impact that the performing yeah. arts, whether that's theater, concerts, um, comedy clubs, whatever. I think it has been fairly bipartisan. So that is encouraging that even if right. they are sure. batting, uh, you know, uh, beating each other up over other things, that there does seem to be some consensus about this. So hopefully that means that this committee can make some recommendations for actual legislation soon and that those can be, be put into practice before um everything goes down in the fiery pit of of hell that is currently the arts community in there many parts of the country more orpheus and eurydice right there there you go uh, all right ashley so let's take a moment real quick to talk about today takes whom really is a lifeline for a lot of people across the country when theater and performing arts are so difficult because Today Takes gives you opportunities to see shows that, A, you might not have even heard of before, but because they're on the Today Takes app and website, you might check them out and say, oh, that looks pretty cool. But they also give you opportunities to get shows at ridiculous prices through lotteries, uh, pre-sales, day of discounts, so many great things. I know that as I'm looking at my February trip, I've got three slots, as I mentioned before. Yeah. I literally, literally one on Wednesday. Yeah, one for Tambo and Buzz. I went through, because I'm going to put in some press requests. But what I did was on Wednesday night, I went through and in my spreadsheet, I put down what the ticket prices were for the shows that I'm considering Solid. For, via Today Takes, just in case I don't get um, the the press ticket. So Today Takes is a lifeline to theater, not only for New York people um, and people visiting New York, but for folks around the country as well. Yeah, I think flexibility is the most important thing for me when using Today Takes. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're booking tickets months in advance, like you are as an insane person, or even day of where you decide you want to go see a show. Yeah, you can use Today Takes. And also, it doesn't matter where you live. Like, as you mentioned, it could be across the country. It could be around the world. It's not just for Broadway and London's West End. You can find tickets in cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, D.C., San Francisco, Sydney and many more. Yeah, and it's so easy to get your tickets from Today Takes. You just use the app. You can check out in 30 seconds. Use the app itself to scan tickets at the theater. It is amazing. So go out, see that show that you've always wanted to see, or discover something that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todaytakes.com slash Broadway and use promo code Broadway to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todaytix.com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first ticket purchase. Once again, todaytix.com slash Broadway. All right, actually, let's real quick get into some show and casting news. And this is both show and casting news, but not show in the stage sense, show in the streaming service sense. But it is in the theater vernacular because not only does it is it talking about two theater stars, but we are talking about the prequel to Beauty and the Beast called Little Town, which will be airing on Disney Plus. That's the one that is going to be focusing on... 
um, Luke Evans's Gaston and Josh Gad's Lafeu, who they uh, played in the live action uh, live action film. Um, we learned on on Thursday that Fra Free, who was most recently seen on Broadway in The Ferryman and Broadway favorite Jelani Aladdin from Disney's Frozen and Disney's Hercules, keep that in mind, yeah. uh, they are going to be joining the show as series regulars. And don't forget, Fra Free just ended a run um, as uh, as one of the cast members of Disney Plus's Hawkeye series as well. Of course. So that is very, very fun. Um, moving on to uh, to other bits of news on Thursday, January twentieth, as we are getting uh, after we finish recording, but um, but tonight over at Long Island's Argyle Theater, the world premiere of the new musical Punk Rock Girl. Um, will be having its first performances. Now, this is a musical from, um, Joe Iconis and Rob, uh, Rakiki, who both are known for their musicals, but they didn't write the music. These are actually right. famous pop and, and, and rock songs made famous by female artists and female fronted bands. Um, Joe did the book and the arrangements. Rob did the orchestrations. It is currently set to run through February 27th. Um, features, um, some really cool folks, including, uh, Philippe Roy and Lauren Marcus. Um, so that one will be interesting. I'll be interested to see how they do that. It has music from Blondie, Pat Benatar, Avril Lavigne, Joan Jett, Pink, Gwen Stefani, and more. I'm a lifelong devoted Gwen Stefani fan, so oh, very excited yeah. about that. She's one of my foundational five. That's um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've talked about that on other on other podcasts, never here, but she is definitely I feel one like of my you foundational. I've talked five. about it here because I knew that. And I feel like okay. that just wasn't like an after dark conversation with us. But Might have been. I think I tweeted about it too when people talked Talk about foundational five but yeah. anyway, if you don't know what i'm talking about search it on twitter it's it's there um okay so it was also announced earlier this week that audible will be um, putting together a return engagement of the public theater's coal country which is a drama based on a real life west virginia mining tragedy that actually had to close in 2020 that was running um uh because of the pandemic the production was written by drama desk winners jessica blank and eric jensen with original music written and performed by three-time grammy award winner steve Earle. it will be um uh running uh, at the Cherry Lane Theater from uh, beginning on March 4th. This was already recorded for Audible, but they are bringing yep. it back as a live production um, for people to be able to see in New York. Um, also, some news that came out uh, just a, a little bit before we started recording, uh, Ashley. PBS has announced a new series of concerts called Broadway in Concert. They will be announcing different episodes throughout uh, the course of the spring, but the first one will be happening on Sunday, March 6th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be an evening with Lerner and Lowe, Broadway in Concert, and it'll feature, obviously, songs from the iconic team of Lerner and Lowe that brought us Gigi, My Fair Lady, Camelot, The Day Before Spring, Brigadude, Paint Your Wagon, and more. Included in the concert will be Jen Colella, Aaron Laser, Jose Lana, um, Aisha Jackson, and others. So uh, the more Broadway and show tunes that we can get on PBS, the better as far Absolutely. as I'm concerned. They posted, I guess, I don't, I'm wondering if it was in conjunction with this, but PBS posted a thing on Twitter on Thursday. Like if you had $15 to spend, who, like, who would you cast? And it was like mm -hmm. assigned different values to different people. And Raul Esparza was a dollar. So I was like, I'll Aww. take 15 Raul Esparza's, please. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I guess it had to have been in conjunction with this, but 
Lin-Manuel Perhaps. Miranda, I think, was worth $5, and so was Bernadette Peters, and I can't remember who else. But, yeah. You give me – you give me – I don't know how – if Raul is $1, I can, can't imagine Victor Garber is more than a dollar. So I would Probably take those not. two. Then I'd spend the $5 on Adrian Warren. Um, so that's at seven. <laughs> Fair, yeah. So that gives me $8 left for two more people. So I would go with, I don't know who would be in there at four. Like, is Mandy at, at five because of his legend? I, but he hasn't I been on say, Broadway in a long time. So like, I would spend three or but four he's on so Mandy. so active on TikTok. I feel like yeah. everybody loves Mandy now, as they uh, should. Let's I be mean, realistic. He's done quite a bit of reputational rehab because of his TikTok. Yes, like, yes. because of his intensity at like Chicago Hope back in the day and then Chris criminal yeah. minds like people got the wrong impression of him um or maybe not or maybe he's just changed but he's a lovely human being and i would yeah, pay four dollars right for him impression yeah yeah <laughs> pay four dollars uh, there's your contract mandy enjoy Mandy, four dollars you're gonna do uh <laughs> natasha Pierre in the great comment of 1812 in my living room to say, yeah. <laughs> um real quick before we get out of this show and casting news after multiple delays and a week after they were supposed to originally um uh, begin performances it looks like knock on wood as I'm knocking on my head, it looks like Black No More is going to be actually starting performances on Thursday night and just right. an hour or so after we're finished. They kept kind of pushing things back for COVID-related reasons. Now, we they never really said if that was because people in the cast had COVID and it just kind of kept getting worse, or if perhaps one or two people had COVID and they just weren't ready to get ensemble members or uh, understudies or swings or whatever into those Hard positions. We don't exactly yeah. know, but it does appear that they will be uh, beginning performances on Thursday, January 20th. I have tickets Good. for my trip and I called yeah. the new group on Thursday because I needed it for obvious spreadsheet and planning purposes. It does sound like for now they are estimating that the running time will be two hours and 30 minutes with a 15 minute intermission Good included. Um, I needed that for obvious reasons. Yeah, uh, running so around can, reasons. So I can <laughs> slam something uh, afterwards on my shows. schedule. Yeah. yeah. All right, real quick, um, for our feel-good recommendations, I did want to mention that it was announced on Thursday that Funko will be releasing four more Hamilton figures. Congratulations. Uh, I'm only going to get two of them because okay. I have I'll, I have all the other ones that have already happened. <laughs> so here are the four. Let's see if you can guess which ones I'm going to get. They have a, a Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton Act 2 outfit, the green thing. They've got that. They've got a King George one. They've got a James Madison one in his, uh, in Okarite and Adawan's very nice light blue thing holding what I'm guessing is some sort of papers. I don't know if it's the Federalist papers or the, 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 the Reynolds pamphlet, whatever. And then they've got, um, uh, Thomas Jefferson with David Diggs in the purple. Which one of those four, which two of those four do you think I have already pre-ordered? I have to imagine the David Diggs. Uh, and King George was the other one, right? Yeah, those are the two that I ordered. Yeah, no offense they're, to... They're the most interesting looking ones, to be fair. Absolutely. I've already got two different Hamilton ones. Um, the original one that they released, and then they released a soldier one, which I've already got. And mm. no, no offense to Oak... But James Madison, eh, eh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's you know, fine. Uh, but you got King the correct George, ones. Yeah, King George and and TJ are are high up there. TJ, uh, yes, yeah. he's known by his friends. Yeah, yes, and Sally. Um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, um, the last recommendation that I wanted to talk about was this new thirty minute behind the scenes documentary short. Um, honoring the Broadway legacy behind the scenes of Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, highly recommend that this is obviously part of Netflix's For Your Consideration yeah. uh, campaign. I am, I mean, ugh, 
I feel like I'm hearing really good things about about Andrew yeah. Garfield in the best actor category for an Same. Oscar. Same. Like him, um, Will Smith up there. I think Denzel could potentially get a nomination for uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Javier Bardem um, is kind of moving up there um, based off like a SAG yeah, nomination and stuff. There's somebody else too. Yeah, I can't there's remember. one more. I, I'm not. Will Smith. Um, it, did I mention Will Smith? You did mention uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Will Smith for for King Richard, and I'm sure I'm missing one or two, but like. Yeah. Um, I've heard ben good Platt. things with Andrew Garfield. How dare you? <laughs> I'm having a serious moment about a, a Tony winner potentially winning an Oscar. Yeah. You're having a non-serious moment about, about a Tony, a Tony winner Tony potentially winner. winning an Oscar. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> check this out. I love it. Um, so good. So much good stuff. All right. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. Don't forget, in the podcast feeds over the weekend, I will be discussing uh, Cy Coleman and all things cabaret with Jeff Harner. He will be at um, Birdland on January 31st. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And we'll be back to talk to you on Monday. Monday.